Amen. Today I want to share with you a message entitled, A Mission Worthy of Sacrifice. Uh, I want you to turn to the New Testament, to the book of Romans, and we're going to see something of Paul's heart. Paul's heart. Now the best way to fully grasp what Paul is showing us and teaching us in Romans 15 is really to start in chapter 1. So if you'll uh, just go to chapter 1 briefly, uh, I want to highlight something of what Paul is doing in his letter uh, to the church at Rome. So if you look at chapter 1 and verse 1, uh, Paul is an apostle. He is set apart for the gospel of God. So right off the bat in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he reminds us that the gospel is God's gospel. If you go down to verse 9, you see that it is the gospel of His Son. If you go down to verse 15, you see that it is the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of God's Son. It is this gospel that Paul is preaching. And then in verse 16, it is this gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of God's Son, the gospel that Paul is preaching. It is this gospel that Paul is not afraid of. And in fact, if you go to the very last of Romans, now to Romans chapter 16, uh, at his conclusion, you'll notice he says in verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. The book of Romans is about the gospel of God. It is about the gospel of God's Son. It is the gospel that Paul is preaching. It is the gospel that Paul is not ashamed of. At the end, he has been so passionate about the gospel that it is his gospel. It is personal for him. It is his passion. It is his drive. It is his energy. And everything that you have between chapter 1 and chapter 16 is all about the gospel. Now there are two key truths today that I want us to reflect upon in preparation for tonight. And the first key truth is this. Our goal should be to get the gospel to all the places where it is not yet gone. Our goal should be to get the gospel to all of the places where it has not yet gone. Now look back in chapter 15 and I want you to notice something and to set it in context. Let's look at verse 15. Romans 15 verse 15. Paul is saying, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. 
so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Lycurium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And then, of course, we have these words in verses 20 and 21. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of Him will see. And those who have never heard of Him will understand. Paul had a desire to preach the gospel where Christ has not been preached before. Where Christ has not been named before. He wanted to go where there was no church. He wanted to go where there was no witness. And by being there, establish a witness. And by establishing a witness, plant a church. That's Paul's heart. And so he says, I aspire, it's my ambition, it's my drive, it's my passion to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named so that I would not build on another man's foundation. And then he tells us why he's so passionate about that. He, he goes to Isaiah 52. He, he points back into the Old Testament to a redemptive historical passage. To a passage that is describing what God is going to do in the new covenant. He says, God said that he's going to be, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to be happening in the last days. Those who have never heard will hear. And Paul is quoting that as a way of saying, I want to be a part of it. I want to be right in the middle of it. And dear ones, this is where our hearts should be. This is why we should be excited about missions. This is why we as a congregation should be supporting our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This is why we ought to be sacrificing in our support of the cause of the gospel. This is why we ought to be praying about where we as a church will invest our lives for the cause of the gospel. These verses of Scripture by Paul ought to burn in us a passion to see the gospel spread throughout the earth. Paul sharing with the church at Rome and he tells them, you want to know what drives me? You want to know what my ambition is? You want to know what I'm passionate about? Let me tell you what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate passionate about going to places where the name of Jesus has not been named ever. And I want to go and I want to establish a witness so that those who have never heard will hear. Those who have never understood will understand and come to personal faith. So that was Paul in the First century. And here we are in the 21st century, and there are still people who have not heard. There are still people in the world who have never heard. In fact, the International Mission Board tells us that about 3 billion people 
today fit in that category. Now, church, let that settle on your heart for a moment. We sit here today, we lift our voices in Christ alone. We rejoice that Christ is our hope. We're reminded through the lighting of the Advent candle that our hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate all that we have experienced over the course of our lives. But let us not forget, there are three billion people on the planet this very moment where the name Jesus has never been named. If you go to the International Mission Board website, you will find their motto. We believe every church has a role to play in reaching every nation with the gospel. It is the IMB's goal and desire that every one of our over 40,000 Southern Baptist churches would be involved in putting more than 3,700 missionaries on the mission field. In fact, on their IMB website is the global status of evangelical Christianity, something that I want you to see this morning. If you go to the IMB and you go to their website, there is a chart that helps us understand the breakdown of those who have never heard where the name of Christ has not been named. And I think we have that chart for you. The first slide actually helps us to understand how it is uh, broken down. They break it down into categories. And let me explain those categories for you. On the, um, the next image, uh, and this is uh, just recently come out, you'll notice that the 0 to 6 number is um, describing uh, anywhere from those who absolutely have no access to the gospel, and in fact, in numbers 0 to 3, these are all of the peoples around the world that the International Mission Board says are unreached, and only a few of them are even engaged at all. All right, the next picture uh, you will notice the number of people. And so I don't know if you can see those numbers, but the numbers are uh, very large. The number of people that have never heard the name of Jesus before in their lives. Um, that the places where they have no access to the Bible, places where in the past there may have been some evangelical work, and places where about 2% are evangelized, but there is currently not anyone on the globe striving to reach them. And in fact, in the International Mission Board, um, only one out of every ten missionaries actually goes to the three billion people who are unreached of the world. So we're sending out ten missionaries this year, this month, but only one of them is traveling to a place where the name of Jesus has not been named. 2,000 years after Paul wrote this letter to the church at Rome, there are many people in the world right now who have not been told 
of Jesus. They've never heard of him. They've never even heard his name. I think about people that I've met in China walking on trails and in the mountains and even on city streets. And when you speak to them of Jesus, their response is, is that somebody who lives in the next village? They have no idea that he is the son of the living God who came to the earth to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Paul's ambition was to get the gospel to those who have never heard. And I believe the Holy Spirit placed it here to remind us that we have a part to play. And our part is in praying. And our part is in giving. And our part is in going to places where Christ has not been named. So when you hear of three billion people in the world who have yet to hear the gospel, please do not think, boy, somebody needs to go and reach them. No, it is my prayer that we would be like Isaiah. and We would proclaim, here am I, Lord. Send me. It's my prayer that we would think we need to do something about that. We need to pray, we need to give, we need to go. I am thankful for how God has used our church to take the gospel to what was at one point a people group who had never heard the name of Jesus before. I I remember, in fact, between my junior and senior year of college, I'm going to date myself for a moment, so in 1984... Right, 35 years ago, um, I remember being a summer missionary in China. And I remember standing on a street corner talking to a young man um, to share with him about eternal life. And when we thought about eternal life, this was his response to me. And hear this clearly. His response to me on the understanding of eternal life was, we are taught that we are like dogs. When our life is over, it's over. There is nothing beyond this life. Now church, in my humble but expert opinion, that is where communism and socialism will take you. And that is where there are people in this country who want to take us. And what ends up happening in a system like that is that God is never again a part of the equation. I remember our church's first trip to China in 2011. Um, I remember sitting on a bench beside an elementary school in a city of 35,000 people, sitting there with our missionary Jeremy, talking to, and get this, the only known believer in the city. This is a city of 35,000 people. And 
our missionary only knows of one person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who had gone off to college, and it was there that he was introduced to Christ, and he became a believer, and now he's back in his community teaching there at the school. Now fast forward four years later, we go back again, this time we go back into Sheeta, and there are two house churches, two underground churches, now in a city of about 50,000, and there's about 50 known believers. I remember going into this little apartment that was very sparsely equipped, plastic chairs, to meet with this house pastor and his wife, and how they served us, how they, you know, peeled apples and gave us an apple to eat, how they shared with us about how hard it was to name the name of Jesus in their city. How they had to be very, very careful. We visited with them, we prayed with them, we gave them as a church a love gift. Right, right before we had left, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, bless somebody when you're in China. And so we blessed a little house church that had nothing. So the pastor and his wife were going to walk us back to our car. It was down in a little um, parking area in the city. And so we're kind of walking down this hill in the city. And all of a sudden, these three police cars pull up and they kind of corner us. Right? And so it's this house pastor and his wife and our missionary and the four of us from our church. And so the police pull up and they get out and uh, they're talking um, and I, I mean, I don't have a clue what they're talking about, but I'm certain the police department is not inviting us back to the police station for tea. Uh, so we're just kind of standing there waiting, and then uh, Jeremy, our missionary, turns around and says, Derek, please tell me that you guys have your, your passports with you. And, of course, it's one of those kind of deals where uh, you never leave home without it, right? Uh, and so we had our passports, and we took them out. They talked for about 20 minutes and uh, then they went in and made, went into a um, little place there close by and made copies of our passports and then came back and gave them to us. They got in the car and they left. One of them stayed, stayed back and was following us and so we keep walking and Jeremy whispered to me and said the only thing that's keeping us out of trouble is that we uh, are going down to tour a local business down at the end of the street. And so we're just walking down and the police car is in the back following us. And we get down to the business and I see a sign and I don't know what it says, but I can kind of smell it's probably not a business that we would normally be walking into. And it was after we were there for a few minutes that um, uh, Jeremy, our missionary, turned back to me and said, uh, Derek, uh, would you like to know the name of this uh, place that we're in and I said I certainly would and he said it's called light you up like a torch whiskey distillery <laughs> and so um, um, 
there we stood taking a tour of a whiskey distillery to keep from going to jail. Um, I, remember, I remember walking on a trail outside of that city in a little village that Jeremy knew about, which was kind of up a mountainside. And so we're kind of walking up this trail, going up this mountainside, and all of a sudden we come across these two men, older men, seated on a big rock, smoking out of a pipe. And so we stop and talk to them for a few minutes. And then uh, when we ask about sharing with them the story of Jesus, their first question was, how much did it cost you to travel here to tell us the story? And when we told them what it cost for us to uh, get there, he said, wow, yes, we will hear your story. And here are two older men sitting on a rock, one sunny day, surrendering their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the next day, we went to a museum um, that, tell, that told the story of this people group and how much um, even uh, of the same people group from village to village you know, how they would um, fight each other and battle with each other and even take each other into slavery. And so it is a museum that tells the story of slavery among this people group. And so uh, the museum is, is about 14 different buildings, just small little buildings, and it tells a story from one building to the next. And the way that you know which area you're going is you have to follow the arrows. And so an arrow would point you, you know, out a door to the next building and then to the next building and around and so forth. And so we're kind of walking through, looking at all the stuff and then going, following the arrows to the next building. We got through about five buildings when we noticed that one of the security guards just was really closely eyeing us. By the time we got to the eighth building, when we left it, he called and asked us to stop. And we stopped between about building eight and building nine. And it was there that he began to talk to Jeremy, our missionary. And he told Jeremy his story. Would you all like to hear his story? All right. We named him Mr. Magia. Mr. Magia is from another village about 20 miles away, a small little village. He had been waking up in the middle of the night with a yearning in his heart, a void, and he didn't understand it. See, you and I have the privilege of looking at God's Word, so we know as Ecclesiastes teaches us that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, right? God has put eternity in man's heart. And so it started Mr. Magia on a search to try to find out, is there really a God? And if so, does God speak? And so he began reading everything that he could find, but still no answers. And finally, this is what he said. God, if you do exist, I want you to prove it to me so that I can find answers for my heart. And here's how you're going to prove it, God. 
Somebody's going to come through the museum where I work and they're going to follow the arrows. He told us later that people just aimlessly walk through all these buildings and they don't really follow the arrows that really tell the whole story. So he puts out a challenge to God. If you're real, then prove it by sending someone to follow the arrows. And then what happens? A group of people from Jacksonville, Alabama start walking through the museum following the arrows. That was in 2011. Mr. Magia, standing between building 8 and 9, gave his life to Jesus Christ. The next time I went back in 2015 to see how Mr. Magia's growth is coming, he's planted a church in his village. 20 miles away and is a pastor to a small group of people who meet in his home. Isn't that incredible? Jim Jones and Ann Jones were with us. Jim is now the pastor at Westside Baptist Church. We were in a city called Tombstone. Not Tombstone, Arizona. We were in, um, in China. But we were in a city called Tombstone and we were walking down a street and Jim notices a guy sitting outside his home on a little ledge. His legs are just mangled. And he's got a little homemade little cart that's got little rollers under it. And it's kind of how he moves around. He sits on this little cart. His knuckles were massive and large because he rose like this so Jim went up and he couldn't speak to him but he had a tape player that had the gospel in this man's language and he played it for him and the man started to weep and Jeremy came and talked with him and he kind of told us his story. He said, I've been living here since I was a little boy. I sit out here every day during rush hour as people are walking to and fro. And he said, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people pass me every day and no one has ever noticed me. And then he stopped. And he said, but now I know that I have been noticed by God. And in eternity, I'm going to walk like everybody else. Our goal should be to get the gospel to all the places where it is not yet gone. There are three billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And tonight when we share in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering together, we have an opportunity to impact that. Another truth I want to share with you is that one day a great multitude from every corner of the globe will give praise to God for their salvation. I would direct your attention just quickly to Revelation 7. After this I looked, and behold, 
a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now this vision in Revelation, this is an incredible vision. It's an awesome vision. Every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages, just like uh, a couple of chapters earlier in Revelation 5 talked about. And, and so this is an incredible fulfillment fulfillment of this vision that Jesus has purchased people for God, that Jesus has ransomed people for God from every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And this is a picture of all nations and tribes and languages just gathering around the throne of God and singing praises to the Lamb for the salvation that He has brought. Now let me ask you a question, church. Have you ever heard of what's called the Great Commission? Have you heard of it? The Great Commission is going and doing what? Making disciples. Right? We're told to go and make disciples of all nations. Right? We're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to observe all that we've been commanded. And Jesus says, hey, as you go, don't forget, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. And what we just read, what this is, this is the fulfillment of, of the Great Commission. This is the promise of God. This is God saying, you're going to go and you're going to preach and you're going to name Jesus where He has not been named and I'm going to do the work of bringing a group of people from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation to salvation through my Son, Jesus Christ. And one day, all of you guys are going to gather around my throne and you're going to sing how great is our God. This is why we pray. This is why we give. And this is why we go. Because we look forward to this day when we will gather around the throne a multitude that nobody can even count from every nation and tribe around the throne of God and of the Lamb singing praises to Him. Can anybody in this room tell me the date that this church, our church, First Baptist Church, was started? Even Susie Howe is quiet. March the 27, 1836, 14 people gathered together and said, let's unite and start a Baptist church. And so the United Baptist Church of Jacksonville began on March the 27th of 1836. They worshipped in five different locations prior to a building. We have a model of it here in our church. Prior to a building being erected where the fire station is right up the road on Church Street here. In 1888, a family came and united with this church called the Heirs family. Dr. T.W. Ayers was a medical doctor. In 1900, Dr. T.W. Ayers of the Ayers newspaper family that owns the Aniston Star, Dr. T.W. Ayers in 1900 from this city, from this church, became the very first medical missionary China. 
Dr. T.W. Ayers and his wife and his children were contemporaries and friends of Lottie Moon. T.W. Ayers built the very first Baptist hospital in China. Tonight, I'm going to share with you some personal words from Dr. T.W. Ayers about Lottie Moon and who she was and why it's important that we give. Church, Carl F.H. Henry once said, The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Let me close with this. Stay in Romans 15, but go back to verse 13 for just one minute and look at this verse. And then we're going to stop. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Listen to that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The God of hope sent His Son to be our Savior. And Paul is reminding us that he is only one prayer away. And there are three billion people who do not know the God of hope. Who have never experienced the joy and peace of believing. What are we going to do about that? Let's pray together.